Welcome to my Parsha Share this week for Parsha Shmois. This episode is sponsored by Shawnee and Richard Fine, in memory of Shawnee's father, Rabbi Joseph Wagner, Harav Yosef Chaim Ben Eliyahu, whose yard site is on the 22nd of Teves. His neshama should have an aliyah. We should all be zeichet to see Tchias Hamesim. It's wonderful to have you back for this week's Parsha Share, and we're once again going to focus on a fantastic an absolutely amazing Nesivas Sholem. And the title of this share, when I'm going to post it on my website, is going to be Why Me? Because that really is the central question of a three-day conversation that took place between Hashem, God, and Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses. Hashem appeared to Moshe in the burning bush, and he says, I'd like you to take the Jewish people, your brethren, your sisters, all of those who are incarcerated as slaves in the land of Egypt, I'd like you to take them out. I want you to be the liberating individual, the leader, who's going to remove them from their shackles of slavery. And Moshe Rabbeinu responds in multiple different ways. Why me? Why should it be me? Surely you can find someone else. Until eventually he says to Hashem, Use my brother instead of me. God gets a little bit agitated. In Moshe, he became upset with him. And Moshe eventually agrees as a result of this last piece of the conversation. And the rest, as they say, is history. Moshe Rabbeinu went to Mitzrayim and led the Jewish people out in the Exodus, which we're going to see in Parshas Boi and Beshalach. And eventually Yisrael, he's going to lead them to the foot of Mount Sinai, which is where this conversation took place at Chorev, where the burning bush actually was. Moshe Rabbeinu is going to lead the Jewish people to Mount Sinai and they're going to receive the, the Torah there. The Nesivas Shalom wants to focus on this puzzling conversation that Moshe had with God. How is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu would refuse to accept the responsibility that Hashem, not some other person, Hashem himself was asking Moshe to do. We're going to um, focus on the Nesiva Shalom today and he has four questions that lead into this discussion. Let's look at what the Nesiva Shalom says. Moshe says to God, Mi Anoichi, that's the Hebrew version of why me? Who am I? Ki eilech el pare, that I should be the one who goes to pare. Should I be the one who takes the Jewish people out of Egypt? In this parsha, we have one of the most puzzling episodes of the Torah. The refusal absolute point-blank refusal of Moshe Rabbeinu to accept upon himself the request of God that he lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. Shetan, mi onoichi, his whole answer was to God, who am I? Why me? Ki eilech alpare v'chioites b'nei Yisrael v'mitzrayim. V'gam l'achar sh'om l'akodesh baruch v'kiyeh imach. Even after God had informed him, I'm going to be with you. Calm down. It's all going to be okay. I'm going to be with you together. And this should be a sign for you that I am sending you, that you're the one who's been chosen, that you're the correct person to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. 
Hoya Masarev. Nonetheless, he was a holdout. He refused to accede. He refused to accept what God was asking him to do. And he still was not willing. He was reluctant to take upon himself this mission to be the leader of the Jewish people and lead them out of Egypt. Now we get to the second question. After everything that God has, says, has said to Moshe Rabbeinu, even after God has reassured him completely, has told him, I'm going to be with you, it's all going to be okay, Every, I've heard everything you've got to say, calm down, I still want you to do it. He said, no, no, send someone else. Says the Nesiva Shalom, this is extremely puzzling. How is it possible? How is it possible that you can refuse even after God? First thing, I understand you don't want to, you don't want to take it on. But even after you've received all the reassurances of God, how is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu still refused and had ideas for God? He was an Oibachochem. He says to God, you know what? I hear everything you're saying, very, very nice. I still don't want to do it, but I've got a great idea for you. It's a, somebody else who could do it. I've got an older brother, he's called Aaron. Why don't you ask him? Really? After everything God's told you, he says, you're going to succeed. You're the one, you're the person who's got to do it. And then you say, She calls it, says the Nesiva Shalom. This is extremely puzzling. So now the Nesiva Shalom, who has obviously delved into this matter in great detail, brings other commentaries, he doesn't mention them by name, but there's a number of them, who suggest an answer to this question. What is Moshe Rabbeinu best known for in terms of our understanding of his personality? It was his great humility. This was the humblest man who ever walked upon the earth, he was an onov. He was the greatest onov of all time. And he was concerned, say the Mepharshim, that if God chooses him, and he now becomes, as it were, the extended arm of God as the person who leads the Jewish people out of Egypt and redeems them from slavery, he somehow is going to bask in this reflected glory and it doesn't match up with his middah of anova. That's what the Mepharshim say. As an anov, he refused to take on this burden of responsibility because somehow it was a mismatch. His personality was anivus, was humility, and what God was demanding of him would require him to abandon this central guiding principle of his life. He was concerned that he would lose out on this um, central principle, this central characteristic of his personality. Ach, soif kol soif, says... The Nesiva Shalom. After all is said and done, 
It's still puzzling. Even if you suggest that the reason why he refused was because he was a great onov, you still have a question. If it is God who is telling him that he must go out in this, in this, uh, uh, for this job, to take on this responsibility, surely he had to abandon, he had to, um, he had to get rid of any fears that he may have had as to what this might do to him. It's God asking him to do it. It's not just some random person who knocked on his door and said, what a good idea, you can save the Jewish people. God has appeared to him in a miraculous fashion. And of course, he should say yes, even if it means that he's not going to be, be able to stand by his principles of humility. That's the third question. After any of the answers to this question that we've seen and discussed, the uh, the uh, Indian of Moshe's refusal, the matter of Moses saying, I don't want to do it, why me, who am I, still remains extremely difficult. How is it possible for him to refuse God's request? Now we have a final question. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, this should be a sign that I have sent you, that I have dispatched you for this role. What exactly is the relationship of an ois to this matter that God is sending Moshe Rabbeinu? It doesn't seem to be any doubt that Moshe knew he was speaking to God. He knew that God was speaking to him and he knew what God wanted him to do. So what difference does it make if God gives him a sign? The sign is not going to add anything. The sign is simply going to um, uh, augment that which he already knew, which is that he needs to be the shliach and he doesn't want to be the shliach. So what if there is an ice? So what if God shows him a sign? The whole thing is that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't saying, I don't believe that you're sending me. He was saying, I believe you're sending me. I just don't think it's appropriate for me to be the messenger. So what exactly is God achieving by telling him that this should be a sign for you that I am the one who sent you? Let's try and explain this entire Indian, this matter of Moshe Rabbeinu's refusal and this interaction between God and Moses at the burning bush. Moshe Rabbeinu was aware that any ge'ula, any redemption that took place, any liberation of Jewish people that would take place if they're coming out of Egypt would somehow be reflected in the person who, who leads them out of Egypt. If the person who takes them out of Egypt is of the highest quality, is somebody who is perceived to be a great person, he then knew that the Geula itself would be perceived in this great fashion because it was a great person who led them out. And if this group of slaves is a great leader who leads them out, then obviously the Geula itself must be a great thing. There's somehow a relationship, a co-relationship between the Goyel and the Geula, between the liberator and the liberation itself. 
That being said, if the person who is the liberator is just an ordinary fellow, he's an ordinary chap, because then the geula itself will be reduced in its greatness. Somehow it will be much less meaningful. The coming out of the Golos, the coming out of this exile, will have been reduced, will have been diminished. It's almost embarrassing. Yes, of course, they've got this great achievement, but you know who achieved it for them? Ah, it's just that fellow Moshe Rabbeinu. Who cares? He's not an important person. Moses? Ah, there's much better people than Moses. So his involvement in the Geula would diminish its status in the eyes of anyone who was involved or who knew about it. We just said that Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest onov, the most humble person who ever lived from among all the people on earth. He was a great onov. He was incredibly humble. He thought to himself, you know what, if God sends me, I am the most unworthy person from among the Jewish people. I mean, look at me. I haven't even been there as a slave. I was living in Pharaoh's palace. I, and my life was in danger. I ran away. I've been living in Midian for years. Uh, who am I? Well, why would I be a, a person? Why would I be the uh, person who should be nominated, who should be chosen, who should be uh, from among all the other people in, in among the Jewish people, there wasn't yet a nation from the descendants of Yaakov Avinu. Why should I be the one that's chosen? He, that's the way he felt about himself. He felt he was a cotton Shabbi Yisrael. It's clear that God has very low estimation with, in terms of the liberation. Because look who he's choosing. He's choosing me. I don't want that to be the case. I don't want to be the reason why this liberation, why this geula from its shrine is going to be perceived in a negative fashion. So it was his anava that drove him to be a Masarev. It was the fact that he was so humble that he decided that he couldn't accept the burden of responsibility to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. That's what drove it. He refused to concede the point. He absolutely rejected any attempt to get him to change his mind. It wasn't because he wasn't willing to go. He was very willing to go. His, his line of advocacy against his own involvement had nothing to do with him, or it had to do with him, but it had to do with him being a representative of the Jewish people, which he felt was unworthy of their greatness. Why should a B-lister or a C-lister be chosen to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt? such as himself, when they could have an A-lister. He was absolutely unwilling to allow for the idea that the Geula would be of such a low stature that it would be a Moshe who would liberate the Jewish people. That doesn't make any sense at all. That's what he meant when he said, Who am I? Why me? Really, you're choosing me? I'm an insignificant, unimportant, um, C-list person. And you're coming to me? That's what you think of Klali Yisrael? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, that I'm the one who should go to Paravichi Oitzi Yisrael I should be the one? 
Me, Mr. Nobody, Mr. Useless. I'm the one who should take the Jewish people out of Egypt. Uh, if I'm the one that goes, the Geula will be diminished in its stature. I'm absolutely, I don't agree to this. I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. That's what he kept on saying to Hashem. doesn't matter what argument you come up with. doesn't matter what you say to me. I am against it. I refuse to concede because I do not want the Jewish people to be led out of Egypt by someone as meaningless and as unimportant as me. Send Aaron. Aaron is a great man. Aaron has been there in the midst of the slavery. Aaron has been a leader of the Zakanim, the leadership group of the Jewish people. He should be the one that takes them out of Egypt. Send them out dispatch them and liberate them from slavery in the hands under the guidance of great people for example my brother Aaron so that the Geula the liberation the redemption from Egypt can be of the highest possible level and this explains what it says a little bit later on in the parasha Later on, when it says, when Moshe Rabbeinu came, the end of Shmois, he comes to Egypt, he speaks to everybody, goes into Pare, and guess what? Pare dismisses him, says to him, what are you talking about? Who's this Hashem? Why would you want to um, let your people go? What are you talking about? The whole thing is a bunch of nonsense, and he makes fun of him and throws him out of the palace. So Moshe Rabbeinu says to God, to HaKadosh Baruch why have you done such a bad thing for the Jewish people, to this nation? Why did you send me? From the moment I walked in to Pharaoh's palace, to speak in your name, it's been bad for the Jewish people. He's increased their workload. He's made things much, much, he's made things much tougher for them. And that's an absolute result of me coming to advocate on their behalf. And the truth is, we need to understand, how was Moshe Rabbeinu so chutzpahdik? How was he able to have such azus to Hashem to say to him, what do you do? since you sent me, everything's got worse. What gives you the right to speak to Hashem in this way? The truth is that Moshe Rabbeinu was simply reflecting that which Pare had said to him. What did Pare say to him? Pare said, I don't know Hashem. Who, who are you talking about? Who is this Hashem that I should listen to him? That's how Pare responded to Moshe's request for him to let the Jewish people go. It was a direct result of this exchange that Moshe Rabbeinu had with Pare that he said, From the moment that I was the one that entered into the palace, the nation has suffered as a result. What does he mean? It's only because you sent me, Mr. Nobody, Mr. Nothing, into Paroi, that this is the way he has reacted. He's answered with, a, with an incredible amount of arrogance. He's got such incredible azus in the way that he responds to a direct request from God to let his people go. That's only because the person he heard it from was me. I told you not to send me. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to Hashem. I told you 
Don't send me. Why are you sending me? It's a mistake. Don't send me. And the reason why Para is reacted in this negative way and why the Jewish people are suffering as a result of, of my interaction with Para is, is absolutely a factor of me being the person who is the representative of the Jewish people. However, says Moshe Rabbeinu, if you would have sent great people, imagine Aaron would have been the one who is at the forefront of the campaign to redeem the Jewish people from slavery. He wouldn't have been able to answer in this horribly chutzpidika fashion. And he wouldn't be able to increase the difficulties for the Jewish people. It's only because you sent me. So now we understand where the dynamic is, what it is that Moshe Rabbeinu was refusing, why he was refusing. He wasn't refusing because he didn't want to do it. Of course, everybody wants to be uh, the person who's the great liberator. He was saying to God, first of all, if you're going to choose a liberator, choose somebody who's worthy of liberating. Second of all, now that you've chosen me, look what the results are. It's a total disaster. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible result for the Jewish people. Things have got worse as a result of me going. Now we can understand how God answered him there at the burning bush. That I will be with you. Says God to Moshe Rabbeinu, this shlichus that I am sending you out to do is not a normal shlichus. It's not the type of thing that we regularly see. Absolutely not. That the shliach does everything for the person who sends him. He's just doing it on their behalf. But the truth is they're doing everything. Every act is their act. I'm telling you, I'm going to be with you. In a, in a sense, you're simply a reflection of me. It's not you, it's me. Gam Even the masses, even that which does get done, is only going to be a result of what I am doing. God himself did it. That's what he was telling Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm going to be alongside you. I'm going to be with you. Um, and everything that you say it's not you that's saying it you're simply going to be the vehicle by which my words are going to emerge every word that you say my words and every act that happens will be as a result of my actions i am the one who's liberating the jewish people from egypt you are simply there as the vehicle, almost like a golem, you're the one that's making it happen because you're the physical representation of my will in terms of making sure that the Jewish people emerge out of Egyptian slavery. That's why God said, Ki imach, I'm going to be with you. I'm the one who's speaking. The fact is, you, you're going to do the acts, the physical acts, because I'm not, a, I'm not a physical presence in the world. But the, the actual liberation, the redemption of the Jewish people, the geula from Mitzrayim, is something that Hashem himself does. And that's what we see, the Chazal, in the Haggadah we, that we read on Seder night. What does it say? It's a posuk. When it came 
to Makas Bechayres, the final Makah of all the Makahs that we're going to see in Parshas Boi, we see that God says, And what do we say in the Haggadah? I, Hashem, did it. I didn't rely on a Malach. I didn't rely on an angel. There was no third party involvement here. I did it myself. I did it in, in my honor, my glory. And we know that Moshe Rabbeinu isn't even mentioned in the Haggadah. The whole point is that God redeemed the Jewish people from, he liberated them from slavery. And what the Siva Shalom wants to add is that it wasn't just Makas Bechayrus that was something that was done by God. That's perhaps where he said it, but it's not in fact how it happened. It happened that every aspect of the Geula was a result of God's direct involvement. In every aspect of the Geula, I am with you, I am in your mouth, I am the one who is making the words come out of your mouth, whatever you are saying is what I am saying. Nothing that you are doing is what you are doing, it is what I am doing. But it remains, we, we have a big question here, because we know that the Rambam says that there has never been a greater prophet than Moshe Rabbeinu. In fact, there's never been a greater Jew than Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, who's the prototype Jew, he's the one who receives from, from God himself the Torah at Mount Sinai. He is a great man. He can be the greatest honor he wants, but why didn't God just tell him, you know what, I know you're an honor, but be quiet, stop arguing with me, you're the one, you're the greatest Jew alive, you're the one who's leading the Jewish people out of Egypt. Why didn't you just tell him the truth? Why did he hide, hide behind this idea of I'm going to be with you, and that that's the answer to everything. Says the Nesiva Shalom. It's fascinating. And the reason why God didn't want to reveal the truth to Moshe Rabbeinu. That he is the greatest of the great. That Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, is worthy of taking the Jewish people out of Egypt. God, God, God should have, Hashem should have said to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, what are you talking this nonsense? You're a very great man. You're a very great person. Of course you should be the one who leads the Jewish people out of Egypt. Why didn't he say that to him? Because God understood that the, that the aspect of Moshe Rabbeinu that made him the greatest person of all time was his humility. And God didn't want to dent that humility. He didn't want to interfere with that humility. So he created this facade almost of that the reason I'm choosing you is not because it's really you, but because I'm doing it and you just happen to be a robot that's following directions. I'm the, I'm the one playing with a joystick somewhere very far away. That's not what he wanted to do. He didn't, and I think that's what he wanted to do in order to protect Moshe Rabbeinu from ever understanding that he was the greatest person of all time. If he would have told him he's great, you would have lost this greatness. Once you tell somebody they're great, then they're not that great anymore because they already, especially if their greatness emanates 
from their humility, if you tell them they're so great, then how can they be humble in the face of such a compliment? They can't be humble. So that's why God didn't tell him. God wanted him to persist in this idea of himself that he wasn't the greatest person of all time. The only thing he said to him, is, I'm going to, which of course he was, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be the one who's going to be alongside you at every stage of the way. The Kibun and the point was, he wasn't lying, of course. Hashem never lies. He's the epitome of MS. He wasn't saying an untruth. He was going to be with him. What he was saying to him is, it makes no difference if you're a great person or not such a great person. Because I'm going to be with you. But of course, the real reason why God was choosing Moshe Rabbeinu was because he was such a great person. The Indian Mama what about that which God said to him, that this should be a sign for you that I'm the one that's sending you because it continues by saying that when you take the Jewish people out of Egypt, that they will worship their God on this mountain. Here we are in Mount Sinai. This is going to be the place where everything will be revealed in terms of the Jewish people and why they were liberated, why they were redeemed from slavery in Egypt. The Koshnitz Magid explains it beautifully, and this is what he says. At the time of the revelation about Sinai, the Jewish people received the Torah. Do you know what? The Jewish people had an encounter with God that is beyond compare. It never happened before in history. It never happened again. That a group of people encountered God, as it were, in the highest possible way that it is possible for a human being to encounter God. Very similar to what it says at Kriyas Yamsuf. What does it say? That they were able to say, this is the God, and I will glorify him, I will beautify him. Somehow they felt a, di a direct encounter with God in this, the greatest miracle of all time, the splitting of the Red Sea, which enabled the Jews to escape from the Egyptian army, and the Egyptian army was obliteratod. Says God, and this is what's being hinted at here, that the encounter at Mount Sinai was at the same level as the encounter at at the Yamsuf. This will be a sign for you. The fact that they're coming back to Mount Sinai. What's the first word of the Aseris Adibrais? In fact, it's, it, it, it closed the circle. It began at Mount Sinai and it ended at Mount Sinai. The liberation, the redemption of the Jewish people began at Chorev with the burning bush and the instructions to Moshe Rabbeinu. And it ended at Mount Sinai when God said at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, This was the moment when the Anoichi, the actual presence of God, appeared to the Jewish people. They encountered God in a way that no human being had ever encountered God before, except, of course, for Moshe Rabbeinu, when he'd been there many years earlier, two, three years earlier, whenever it was, before um, the liberation of the Jewish people, Moshe Rabbeinu had been at Mount Sinai, at Choreb. He saw the burning bush, and 
he was the one who was instructed to liberate, to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. And he'd come and done that, and now they came to Mount Sinai, and that same Anoichi that he encountered at Chorev before the mission began was the one that the whole Jewish people encountered at the end of the mission when mission was accomplished. Hashem is Barach Ponim El Ponim. The highest level of Gilui, Shechina, happened at Mount Sinai. Why? The fact is, the word Anoichi seems to be extra. It doesn't, it's not necessary in the context of the Posik. What God wanted to say is, this is not an ordinary shlichus. It's not me giving you an envelope to deliver somewhere. You, you're, oh, you're flying to Israel? Would you mind taking an envelope and somebody's going to pick it up at the other end? That's not what God was saying to him. This wasn't some ordinary shlichus. This wasn't a shlichus of Moshe Rabbeinu himself. He's on his own and now he's going to carry out God's word. Not at all. God was going to be alongside him every step of the way, every half step of the way. That's what God was telling him. I am the one that's sending you. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth in every step of the way. I'm going to be alongside you. I'm going to make sure it happens in the way that it needs to happen. That's what's going to be the fact that you're going to come here to Mount Sinai. That's going to be the sign that this is what was really the intention all along, that it's the Anoichi, the Anoichi, Anoichi, Anoichi. Anoichi Hashem Kecha and the Anoichi at Chorev, here the eye of Hashem the personal involvement of God. That's what this was all about. When I redeem the Jewish people from Egypt, they will come to worship God. They will commune with God at this mountain. And there will be a gilu just like the one you're experiencing now with a burning bush. That's what they're going to experience. This is going to be the ice. This is the sign. This is what's going to happen. Look at this bush. You saw this bush? That's what they're going to see. Whatever you think of yourself, you're great, you're not great. It's not important. You see the bush? I'm communicating with you. This should be an ice. All the seven heavens will seven heavens will open up, and everybody will know that there's no other God. There's no other omnipotent God that rule that created the universe and that rules over all of us. There is no such thing. Everyone was going to have absolute clarity at Mount Sinai. And this was a response to the suspicion or the concern of Moshe. That if he is the one who is the Shaliach, somehow the Geula is going to be of a diminished fashion. He says to him, what are you talking about? You're worried? What, what could be the best outcome of this Geula? Har Sinai, right? That whatever you're experiencing now is what they're going to experience. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. So you're worried about some negative? That you're the one who's leading the Jewish people? There is no negative. Because I'm telling you that what's ultimately going to happen is the Jewish people are going to get to Mount Sinai. They're going to receive the Torah and they're going to have Gilu Shechino like you're having right now. So what possible better 
person could there be? Even if there is a better person, it's going to make a difference because you're going to be achieve the same result, which is the best possible result, if you're the one that does it. That's what God was telling him. Ani v'loi malach. Ani v'loi saraf. Ani v'loi shliach. The malachim v'straf me'enam yechoylim legalis gilum ke'ele. There's no malach in the world that can do what... Uh, I've done today for you that you've seen here in the burning bush. It's not possible. And that being the case, if you want that for the Jewish people, go and be the leader. Don't tell me that someone else can do it better. I'm telling you there is no better. This is the best and you're the one that can do it because it's going to happen. That's what Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu. So how come that... Moshe Rabbeinu still refused, still was unwilling to concede after God had told him all this. He couldn't believe such a thing that none of it was going to be generated through his own actions or through his own greatness or his own perceived lack of greatness. It's not important. He couldn't believe that such a thing was possible, that God is going to do it all. And he thought to himself, the whole reason that God is helping him with his shlichus, why is that happening? Look, uh, that is because he's going to do it himself. And God is going to be there as a sort of guarantee, as an insurance policy. And he didn't want that. And that's why he kept on hedging and he kept on refusing because he didn't want to accept this idea that God is going to do it. He thought, I'm going to do it and God is going to be there at my side in case I slip up. And he didn't want that to happen. It was only when God said to him absolutely explicitly and he repeated himself that he says, I am going to be there. He said it once and then he said, he added the word at that stage he conceded and he said, you know what, I'll do it. Thank you so much for asking me. And he went ahead and became the leader and the liberator of the Jewish people. There's another way of explaining this, says the Nesiva Shalom. How can we explain the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu refused absolutely and categorically to be the liberator and the redeemer of the Jewish people? We've already said that Moshe was the humblest person ever to walk upon the face of the earth. He was, there was no one more humble than him. Actually, this is a very strange Mamar Chazal. You see it actually regularly in Nasiv Shalom. Uh, it's not really a Mamar Chazal that's directly quoted. There is a similar Mamar Chazal in Ovester of Nasim Perik Tess in, uh, in the second part in Ice Base of Perik Tess of Ovester of Nasim, which speaks about three levels of skin affliction that can afflict a human being. Sometimes your skin is too dry, sometimes it's too moist, sometimes there's too many polyps on it. But the point is, we're talking about the Anova of Moshe Rabbeinu, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu is Nemucha Mikulan, is softer than all of them. Somehow, whatever skin afflictions you may have, there is no, uh, there's no one who is softer there's no one who is more nomuch, who is more, uh, who's somehow 
in, in the lowest possible place that you can be. It's, you're talking about infections, some of the damaging uh, levels of infection for a skin infection, and Moshe Rabbeinu is the, at the lowest level of them all. I'm not quite sure what the Mamachazal means. If somebody wants to share with me what their thoughts are on this, Officer of Nosson, please look into it and come back to me. But in the meantime, the point that the Nasiva Shalom is making is that Moshe Rabbeinu was extremely humble. He's, he came to the highest level, it's, it's a paradox, of what it means to be humble and what it means to be self-effacing. So God comes along to him in the burning bush and he says to him, Hello, Mr. Moshe, I'd like you to be the leader of the Jewish people and to take them out of Egypt and to liberate them from slavery. And he's thinking to himself, okay, God's asking me to do this. And I'm just not an appropriate person. It's just, I'm not the one. I mean, clearly I'm not the right person for him to ask because I'm not the right person. to. I'm just a very ordinary person. Why would he ask me? Because I'm the worst. I mean, I'm just the worst. I'm the Nemucha Mikulon. I'm the nothing. I'm the worst of all the infections that you can get on your skin, right? That's what he's thinking of himself. And the truth is that, you know what? God doesn't really want me to go. He's not that interested that I should be the one. So what, what's going on here? And the fact that he's asking me to go, he's just testing me to see, am I really a pompous person underneath it all? In other words, I may play humble, but really when it comes down to it, I think I'm special. It's all a big test. God is testing me. Okay, I've reached the pinnacle of what it's possible to be as a humble Jew. And now God's coming to me and saying, I want you to be the leader. We need you. You're the most important. That's only a test. God wants to see, am I going to say yes? Am I going to say no? So of course I have to say no, because it's all part and parcel of my humility, my anova. And he's just testing to me to see, me to see if I'm a real onov. This was a test of his character, of this aspect of his character, that he is the greatest onov of all. Livchain es anovusai he benekudas emes. Wanted to see whether, in fact, as an onov, he was true to himself, true to his character. Whether or not he would be able to withstand this incredible Yetzirah. God is asking him to lead the Jewish people. Is he going to be able to say, no, I'm just not the one. It's not for me. Choose someone else. That's what he says. Maybe he thought to himself, you know what? The fact that God is asking me to come and be the leader of the Jewish people and to lead them out of Egypt is because he's punishing me. This is a real Musar idea. I know it's in a Hasidish Sefer. The reason why you get sent to do something which you're not suited to do is it's like a punishment. Like I'm an electrician and you're asking me to do plumbing. I'm not a plumber. Okay, but you have to do the plumbing job. Okay, I'm going to have to try and do the plumbing job. I'm not very good. I'm not a very good plumber. It's a punishment, right? If you ever ask to do something you can't do, there's nothing harder in the world than trying to do that. So Moshe Rabbeinu thought to himself, okay, you know, God is testing me. He knows I'm very, very good at whatever it is that Moshe Rabbeinu thought he was very good at. 
But when it comes to leading the Jewish people, I'm an inappropriate person. So why would God be asking me? He's punishing me. He wants to punish me that he wants to cause me to be unsuccessful, to ruin everything. He thought to himself, you know, it's a, it's a punishment. Is a punishment for me? Is it a punishment for Klal Yisrael? He certainly doesn't want Klal Yisrael to suffer because somehow he's in this interaction with God. He's having this dynamic moment with God. God is asking him to do something that's not appropriate for him to do. It's not what he wants. He says to God in response, who am I? What is it that you're asking me? Why would you ask me to do such a thing? I'm not the appropriate person. You're asking me because you want to see if I'm an onov? I don't want to do it. So I don't know. Hopefully that proves to you I'm an onov. You ask me because you want to punish me? Excuse me, don't punish me because punishing me actually means a punishment for the Jewish people. Because you know what? I'm going to be the one that leads the Jewish people out of Egypt. That's going to be the worst thing in the world. So Nesiva Sholem says on all fronts, Moshe felt he was justified to be a Masarev, to say to God, I don't want to do it. I'm not the one. I'm not the right, right person. He was absolutely certain that this was not something that was appropriate to him. This is either a test or it's a punishment. But absolutely, he was certain that God wanted him not to go and that he should refuse the request. And that's why he refused. We'll leave it here for today. This piece of Nesiva Sholem is a source sheet. Either if you're listening on SoundCloud, you can click on the link. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can click on the link. Or if you're on my website, you can click on the link and you can see the Nesiva Sholem in its entirety. I didn't say the whole thing, but it's a beautiful piece, a fantastic piece of Nesiva Sholem. Until next week, thank you so much for listening. It's a pleasure to be with you and to share some thoughts on the Parsha. All the best to you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you.